Today, I'd like to talk about the important role family caregivers play in the health system. They give people of all ages who need the care the choice to remain in their community homes. Caregivers often balance work and care for their friends and families. They also provide essential care to residents in group homes, supportive living, long-term care, and palliative care. One in four Canadians is a family caregiver, and one in seven are double-duty caregiver health providers who provide care at work and at home. In fact, many of our staff and physicians are caregivers to their own friends and family members. To put the impact of Alberta's caregivers into perspective, they contribute 647 million hours of unpaid care each and every year. Their time and contributions save our healthcare system up to $12 billion a year. And joining me here today to share more about the important work of the caregivers are Dr. Jean Triscott, Divisional Director, Care of the Elderly, Department of Family Medicine, University of Alberta. Dr. Sharon Anderson, Research Coordinator, University of Alberta, Department of Family Medicine, and Laurie Cafario, caregiver for an AHS patient. Thank you all so much for all three of you here being on the blog today. Jean, if it's okay, I'm gonna start with you. And I'm wondering why is it important for the healthcare system and healthcare providers to support family caregivers? And how do caregivers provide and improve patient outcomes? Supporting family caregivers improve outcomes for people that are carers. Um, they also help healthcare providers. And if you actually look in the literature, Family caregivers promote effective communication, improve patient care, health, and well-being. Family caregivers support aging in the right place. They reduce length of hospital stays, reduce hospital readmissions, and family caregivers reduce health care provider workload. In summary, supporting family caregivers will improve quality of care for their loved ones and keep patients in the community longer and then also avoid intermittent care or episodic care. Laurie, we're going to go over to you now. Can you share your experience as a caregiver and maybe give the people a sense of what your typical day looks like? I'd be pleased to and thank you for inviting me to be here today. I want to say to you, first of all, and today was an example of how when you get up in the morning, you, you never know what your day is going to look like. And that's certainly true for non-caregivers, but perhaps more true for caregivers, because it's not just your life, but it's another person's life. So you may be woken up at two in the morning and your husband is in great pain and he's really in need of urgent care. And so you call an ambulance, the ambulance comes, and from that moment on, you have no idea what the rest of your day is going to be like. And depending on whether he's admitted to the hospital or whether he's sent home again with care instructions, your day is gonna be different again. Or you may have a day with medical appointments and my husband doesn't drive any longer. So I am the taxi driver, I push the wheelchair and I'm the advocate or listener, you know, at the healthcare provider's office, whether it's a doctor or OT or whatever it is. Or you may have a day that uh, blood collection services are coming at seven in the morning and you've got wound care at 10. And those days are okay because at least you don't have to go out and you kind of know what's coming, right? Or you may have a day that's pretty peaceful. And those are the days that you're doing laundry and cleaning and any number of things that you need to do in a day. And my husband is in a wheelchair 95% of the day. So there, there's a lot to do. If, if legs are needed, I'm the legs. So it's a, it's a pretty busy day. 
since March of 2020, there have been no days off. My husband doesn't need 24-7 care, but he needs me to be available 24-7. So I think that if you were in the medical community, which of course you all are, you would say that I'm on call. Um, Sharon, we're going to go over to you now, if it's okay. In your research, what have you identified as challenges caregivers face and what they might have difficulty with? First of all, I want to make up the point that family caregiving per se is not a burden. Um, like any provider, a doctor, a nurse, a healthcare aide, it's being overwhelmed with work and worry that are, are difficult. And so even before the, the COVID pandemic wreaked havoc, caregivers' work had increased from an average of 8.7 hours in 2012 to 15 hours in 2018. Those are averages. We know that caregivers living up with of, with people with complex chronic conditions, and that's about 29% of Albertans living in the community or disabilities are caring for many more hours. Um, as well as the hours of care work, caregiving is much more complex. Caregivers um, are performing medical tasks and they spend about 15 to 50% of their time. That 50% is when care gets more complex on the structural burden of care. That's figuring out what they need, where to find it, and then coordinating um, that care um, for the person who needs care. And they're so busy caring, they often neglect their own health. Public Health UK has actually said that it's a social determinant of health. So in July and August uh, um, of 2022, Statistics Canada survey found that 44% of all caregivers not just the ones that are most stressed, 44% of all caregivers are distressed. That's up from 16% in 2020, 2010. So we need a better system for supporting family caregivers. Thanks so much for that, Sharon. Very important point. And that actually brings to um, this one last question, which I have for actually for all three of you. When you talk about um, the work and the intensity that goes into what a caregiver does on an ongoing basis, how can our healthcare system best support all the caregivers across the province? And it's a question to all three of you. So Lori, if you're, if you're okay with that, we're gonna start with you. Um, by way of an example, last week it took me all morning to get an appointment for my husband for wound care. Now we'd done this before, so it shouldn't have been very difficult, but it turned out that his case file was with AIDS to Daily Living and I was calling for wound care, which is through home care. So by the time we got a call from home care, it was about noon, and the earliest that they could see my husband to treat his wound was Thursday afternoon. And I mean, that wasn't acceptable to us nonetheless, that, you know, that's what happened. So I guess what I'd like to say is that for us, first and foremost, it's access. And then a very close second, if not first, is navigation. How on earth do I find the right service for our needs? And further, how do I find for this, this service for the needs that I don't even know about yet? My husband lost one of his legs due to chronic infection. And if we had found the right place earlier on to treat those infections, he, that wouldn't have happened. Further, just this last summer, he lost a finger because we couldn't get access to a doctor to treat the infection. So for us, it's access and help to navigate through the Alberta Health Services healthcare system, right? So yeah, that for us, that's the most important. Thanks. Um, Jean, we're gonna go over to you now. What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. We need an excellent medical home or primary care system 
and team-based care. This will increase efficiency, knowledge, and contribute to comprehensive care in order to deal with patient complexity whom often have multiple morbidities and disease. Caregivers are often quite distressed by the time we see them. Supporting caregivers earlier in primary care will be ideal. Family doctors provide the continuity of care, however, they need time and team-based care, such as nurses, social workers, who can assist with assessing family caregiver needs and referring them to services and support, not just the patients. So you're looking at the medical home with the whole uh, family system in place and, and to help with comprehensiveness and, and navigate through the system, which is very complex for these elderly patients. Thanks very much, Jean. I'm getting a very interesting and awesome perspective on this. So thank you both. Sharon, I'm gonna give you the last word. I agree with Dr. Triscott, support for in primary care earlier in those tra that trajectory would be ideal. But I also, as Lori's pointing out, family caregivers need support throughout that healthcare system. So recognition, support to navigate the system and warm handoffs uh, from setting to setting. Uh, something that they have in the US is the CARE Act, the Caregiver Advise, Record and Enable, which requires providers in hospital to do three things. Ask patients if they have a family caregiver, let the caregiver know um, that when the patient will be discharged or transferred and ensure that the family caregivers knows how to provide that care and know where the resources are, what the patient needs. And that needs to happen, not just in hospital, but in every healthcare setting. And family caregivers also need to be asked about what they need to maintain their health too. And by the way, we have education for that caregivercenteredcare.ca. Um, we have health workforce education, and it is the best in Canada. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks very much, Sharon. And thanks all three of you for coming on and doing everything that you do. As we learned today, caregivers are hugely important to the healthcare system and to our patients. Thank you to all caregivers across the province for your support. And on that note, we celebrated National Caregiver Day earlier this week on April 4th. And I encourage you to take time to recognize the efforts of caregivers and to say thank you and a big hug to them if you actually get the chance. If you want to learn more about caregiving or are a caregiver yourself and are looking for support, you can reach out to Caregivers Alberta. Thanks again, everyone. Take care. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time.